0: Welcome to Crazy Good Talks with Deirdre Van Nest. In this podcast, we help growth-oriented financial advisors, leaders, sales professionals, and experts stand out and own the room every time they speak. Deirdre will empower you to grab and keep the attention of any audience, live or virtual, make emotional connections with your listeners, and inspire them to take action. Join us on this journey where Deirdre will empower you to become a more confident presenter and knock it out of the park when you speak.
1: Soft skills are not as easy to quantify, but are just as important to success. Joey Davenport joins Deirdre Van Nest in this episode of her podcast. Joey has been in the financial services industry for nearly three decades, but is also an entrepreneur and international speaker.
0: Deirdre, please tell us more about Joey. Well, here's the thing about Joey. If you spend any time at all in the financial services industry, you can't not know him. He's everywhere, and he is the president and co founder of Hoopus Performance Network in Chicago, and they're one of the top training firms in the financial services industry. Now, I know we have listeners who are not in the financial services industry, so please don't tune out. We are going to be talking about some research that is pertinent to the industry, but I promise you this research goes beyond financial services. It's going to apply to you as well, so so stay with us. I think one of the coolest things, though, about Joey is that he is the lead singer in a rock band called Hot LZ. So welcome, Joey, and tell us about Hot LZ. LZ, you're obviously not touring on the road these days. What are you guys doing?
1: Deirdre, thanks for having me. Great to be here with you. And yeah, we're not touring. We uh, we had a gig outside by the lake back in November before, it, or late October before it got uh, too cold. We're just honing our craft till uh, things open up. But the good news is when things open up, hopefully this summer, people are going to be desperate to hear live music. So it should be a good be in a band.
0: A lot of pent up demand. Absolutely. I had the privilege of hearing you perform a couple of years ago at LAMP. And I remember you did an amazing rendition of Mustang Sally. And I think you might've done Proud Mary for me as well. That's one of my favorite songs. So I'm hoping I can convince you to do a little something for us before we close out.
1: Uh, We'll see. We'll see how the uh, interview goes. (laughs) (laughs) All
0: right. All right. Think about that. As you know, you know, I started my podcast at the end of January and kind of the formula is you do the first couple solo, right? So it's just, it's just me. And then you start thinking about who you want as guests on the show. And you were definitely one of the top names I had for the show. I had actually promised my friend and your friend, Brad Swinehart, he could go first, but then you did something that kicked him out of first position. So Brad, please forgive me, but I was scrolling through LinkedIn, you did a piece of research and wrote an article called the soft skills gap. And as soon as I saw that, Joey, I was like, "Ah, stop the feed. And it totally caught my attention. I read the article, absolutely loved it. And it relates with what we do here at crazy good talks. So I knew I wanted to have you on the show to just talk to our listeners about the soft skills gap, talk about it as it relates to the financial services industry, but really I think to the professional uh, world at large, and and what we need to do about this problem. So Joey, can you just define what the soft skills gap is for us?
1: Yeah, first of all, I think just a level set between soft skills versus hard skills. You know, hard skills are things like technology training. And a lot of times in schools, it's things like math and science that's very objective. But in the business world, you know, it's technology training, it's compliance, it's things along those lines, which are very measured, and there are key performance indicators around it. And so those are the things that are accentuated. Whereas soft skills are really skills, especially in the business world, on connecting with other people. These are sales mm-hmm. skills. This is empathy. This is emotional intelligence. There's been a lack of focus on soft skills. I would say over the last five to 10 years, not just in the financial services space, but in all verticals. And there's a couple of reasons for that. First of all, technology really came on the scene You know, in the last five to 10 years, in particular, the last five years. So we started talking about CRMs and LMSs and the sales world, you know, those uh, kind of took shelf space. Also a lot of product training goes on, especially in in the world of selling. They wanna know about this product and that product and need more product knowledge and features and benefits and those things. And lastly is compliance, you know, in particular financial services, compliance training has become a big requirement. It is very important, definitely, but with the focus on tech and product training and compliance soft skill training really took a back seat and it's interesting because since the pandemic soft skills are a premium these days being able to empathize and being able to listen and, and demonstrate emotional intelligence you know in virtual meetings and things and and one of the last thing I'll just say about this it's you know this is across a lot of verticals when you look at onboarding new professionals these days Home offices are all vying for shelf space, the different departments, whether it's product or, you know, in our world, it's underwriting and, and different things. They're all trying to buy for shelf space in that initial training program. So there's the best intentions of developing a great sales effectiveness program for new professionals. But when it comes out on the back end, there's a lot of hard skill stuff just because the home office departments are trying to get their things you know in that small shelf space and so that's why soft skills have really taken a back seat to these hard skills training but i think the pandemic has really created a reshuffling and more of a priority on the importance of these soft skills that's a
0: great and, and a very thorough explanation. I couldn't agree with you more. You know, when I came on the scene, Joey, back in 2010, I really had to convince people that this wasn't just some fluffy woo-woo, right? Like focusing on your communication skills and storytelling skills. And, and I've definitely seen over the years, people buying in more and now people coming to me saying, we need this. I'm, I'm grateful for that because we, we do need this. I mean, we're dealing with human beings. And human beings need to and want to connect with other human beings on an emotional level. Otherwise, you don't really need a human being. One of the things that I thought about the study that was really interesting is you talked about an MDRT study called generational confidence. Can you just talk for a couple of minutes about what that found? Because I thought this was fascinating. And I think this has a lot of implications for the financial services industry. But I think even if you're not in that industry, you're another professional service provider, you're in sales, you can kind of extrapolate this for your own work.
1: And what they found is that eighty five percent of consumers across all generations, so from the silent generation to millennials, said that it was more difficult to trust a financial professional today versus five years ago. Uh, interestingly enough, the roundtable asked advisors or producers that same question, and only fifty seven percent of producers thought that to be the case. So there's even a blind mm. spot amongst advisors of this trust crisis. And so it's interesting, a strategic partner of ours, Limro, we said, okay, let's go to the consumer and let them tell us what trust means to them. Because trust can really be this kind of esoteric thing out there. It's sort of hard to pin down because it means different things to different people. And what we identified was four key facets to trust that are important to the consumer. One is benevolence, which is, are you putting your needs above my own needs? Are you putting my needs first? Integrity, right? Uh, Sincere, honest, trustworthy, those things. Dependability, are you doing what you say you're doing or going to do? And lastly is competency. And interestingly enough, competency was least important in the eyes of the consumer. They assumed that the professional was competent until they uh, proved otherwise. So there is a trust gap. In financial services, but I would say just in general, anyone that's in a sales profession, because people don't necessarily want to be sold something and so they put that guard up. So being aware of benevolence, integrity, dependability, competency, as you go into your approach language, as you're engaging with people throughout the sales process and conveying language and things along those lines is super important to bridge in that trust gap.
0: So I I love I love those findings. One of the things and I I would just love your your take on this. One of the things that I've been talking about, particularly with my financial advisor, clients and leaders is it's time for you to stop trying to prove yourself and to start being yourself. What I mean by that is exactly what you said. People are going to assume you're competent because you have like, you've got the shingle out, right? They're sitting there across from you, whether it's in person or virtually, they assume you have sort of the basic level of skill needed to get the job done. What they don't know about you and what they're going to make decisions on is, is who you are and how they feel around you. So what, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. Two things that are really important today. If you look at research is transparency and authenticity. And authenticity, whether, you know, I know you're very active on social media, having an authentic voice there, having an authentic voice as you engage with prospects and clients is hugely important because people can sense that. Matter of fact, if we if we think about rapport, how soon someone determined they're going to trust you, 29% of consumers determine if they're going to trust a professional in the first 10 minutes of engaging with them. A lot of people come in and talk about here's my company, here's my products, and here's the things we're doing. And everyone else is saying that. You have to have ways to convey what makes you different, what attracts people to you. Why do people choose to work with you in order to cut through the noise? And I think being authentic, being genuine makes a much better connection with people than leading with product, with leading with company and things like that. Those are important for credibility at some point, but out of the gates, people are trying to make a connection with a human being.
0: I love that I love that. So here at Crazy Good Talks, you know, one of the things we really focus on particularly in that one-on-one meeting with 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 a new prospect or or with a is storytelling, Joey, the use of storytelling. In the last two episodes, we devoted to talking about the three different storytelling types. So I'll just review them real quickly. Crazy Good Talks, the three different types of storytelling for business are what I call your why story. And your why story is why you do what you do and why you care about the person or person sitting across from you. The second is what I call your desire story. And your desire story are typically stories about clients that you've helped get great results. It's the same results that the person or person sitting across from you want, right? So you tell a story, illustrating. That's a great story for a kind of a persuasion situation where you don't wanna sound salesy. Mm-hmm. And then the third are stories or analogies to make a point. And those are the types of stories that you use when you wanna illustrate a point or make something you know difficult or complex, simpler. One of the things that I've been, one of the drums I've been beating, particularly in the industry of financial services, is that advisors should lead with their why story. So let's say, when was this? Last week, no, actually it was just, this feels like a long week. So it wasn't last week, it was just Wednesday. Hmm. I was doing a training for a group of leaders in the industry. And one of the leaders who is still a producer said, you know, when I sit down with clients, I go through kind of like, this is who I am. These are the things that make me great. These are my credentials. This is our company. I challenged him and I just said, you know what, that's nice. And that can be done at some point. But I think what they really want to understand is like who you are, what makes your heart beat as a person and can they connect with you? And he was very resistant to that idea. So what, what are your thoughts there, Joe? I'd love to hear how you would answer that question to that leader.
1: Yeah, well, it's funny, right? It's old school thinking. I mean, a lot of times that's passed down by Baby boomer managers, or now I guess that's uh, my generation, Gen X. Now that we're looking up, all of a sudden I'm the old guy in the room. But it's just, yeah, right. that's just old thinking, not coming from this place of you, you know, do connect with your why, do be authentic with people, and so you are going to see some resistance to that. And the big thing of that, Deirdre, I think, is some people haven't taken the time to connect with their why, so it's very uncomfortable for them to share that type of thing. But how do you expect other people to be vulnerable when you're asking them questions? You mentioned financial services about things they might have told their, might not have told their spouse, their best friend, their attorney, et cetera. If you're not willing to be vulnerable and share your why, why would you ever expect people to lower their guard and do that? It's, it's really a, a psychology of reciprocity, right? You've got Excellent. to yep. put yourself out there and share your why. And people see the vulnerability of that and hopefully are inspired by that. And it causes them to respond in kind. And and Deirdre, I will also, since you mentioned storytelling, which I know you're the, the master of, I've learned so much from you over the years of just following your work with it. You know, one thing about storytelling in financial services, but I think this applies everywhere, is, and this is a behavioral economics principle, people are irrationally optimistic that things are not going to happen to them. Mm. Right? I, I naturally think that things are not going to happen to me. If you look at the percentage of, of people that get car insurance on a rental car, it's 13% because people think they're naturally a, a, a good driver, right? In the world of financial services, people think that think that bad things are not going to happen to them. And so what we have to do is to overcome this irrational optimism is through storytelling because yes. it's based on this hurting theory, which says that I'm more willing to do things that people like me were doing. And the other thing is, you know, in a lot of industries, If you want to review on something, you can go to Amazon and see what people say or Yelp, and they can tell you about a product or how this worked or whatever. People don't do that with personal finances. So people have no idea what their friends and family are doing in these areas. And so to overcome this irrational optimism, you have to share personal experiences that touch on the right brain versus left brain. I can almost guarantee you that manager you were talking to, scared to share their why, maybe they are very left brain oriented when they're making recommendations or presenting solutions, they're focused on the numbers and the data. But the fact of the matter is there's a right brain and the storytelling connects with that. And many people are looking and longing for that. And if you're not analytical per se, then the left brain stuff's not gonna work. You have to be able to engage through stories, through visualization of other people that have benefited from these same products or services or things like that. And so it is very powerful just to overcome that irrational optimism.
0: No, that that's so interesting, and you know, I I know from my own my own history, right? I I didn't have that or that irrational optimism because the horrible, unthinkable did happen to me in mm-hmm. losing my mom at a car in a car accident at ten. But Joey, when I went around, you know, when our I, I tell when I speak, I tell the story about how when I was pregnant with our first child, one of my first thoughts wasn't like, what am I gonna, you know, is it a boy or a girl? Well, of course, I thought it's a boy or girl, but beyond that, I didn't think about names. I wasn't thinking about the cute little. Clothes or the crib or anything. One of my like next thoughts was, oh my gosh, I got to get life insurance. Mm-hmm. We got to start preparing a will. And I thought that was a normal way of thinking, Joey. Like legit, I thought, well, doesn't everyone think that way? So mm-hmm. I started talking to my friends about this who at the time, you know, we're all in our early thirties. They looked at me like I had 10 heads.
1: <laughs> <I bet. laughs>
0: Like, why would you even ever consider that? I'm like, wh- wh- what do you mean? How would you not consider that? And it wasn't till then that I learned I'm an anomaly. Like people like me who have had their life changed in a snap know it can happen. I always call it loss of innocence. Absolutely. But most people, and good for them. I honestly wish that I was one of those people that was irrationally optimistic. But the, the bad side of that is then those people can be caught unawares. One of the things that I'm always talking to advisors about is that many people in, in, at least in the U.S., but probably in many other countries, are one tragedy away from total financial devastation because they're not willing to have the conversations and do the thing they need to do to protect themselves and their family.
1: Absolutely, and Deirdre, that's why thinking about just financial professionals in particular, that's why that why is so important because these are courageous, tough conversations. And so if you're not connected to power of purpose and your why and have a missionary zeal, chances are you're not going to have those tough conversations with people because they're not used to having those. And so our job as financial professionals is to have that conversation. But just like in other industries, a lot of people have a dormant need. They're not even aware that they have a need for certain products and services. And so to make that dormant need a visible need we still have to share stories of other people in their same situation that have benefited or negatively been impacted regardless of product or service. And that's where the power of storytelling and all the stuff that you teach, because, you know, some uh, financial professionals or even sales professionals in general are good at that. But if if you're not good at that, you kind of need a track to run on to help draw that out of people. And and that's what's great about all the good work that you're doing over in our space and, and just in general.
0: So I just want to put a punctuation point on what you're saying, Joey, because I love this. If you're a financial advisor in particular, and you're listening right now, please, please really take this to heart. But again, if you're in another business where your role is to get people to open up to you, this absolutely applies to you. Think about the fact that when you first sit down with someone and you're asking them these probing personal questions, it's kind of like a dog, right? Like you're asking them to show you their underbelly. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think it'd be a lot easier if you showed yours first, particularly in the financial services industry. That's not the way it's been done for decades. The the model has been you ask questions and you sort of don't exist, right? It's all about listening, not about anything about you. And yes, it's true. It's all about listening, but it has to first start with a connection, so that they feel comfortable and they're willing to answer questions so that you can listen. You have to set it up where you're willing to show some level of appropriate vulnerability. And this is one of the things I talk about, Joey, it has to be appropriate to the situation. You're not going to talk about the same things you talk about with your friends necessarily. Mm -hmm. There has to be, there has to be a point and there has to be relevance, but it's so much easier if someone else is vulnerable first, isn't it easier for you to then be vulnerable?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And it's the same thing with the client advisor or client service provider relationship. Going back to that manager, Joey, this is what I said to him. So I want to give this to our listeners. When he said, well, how do I do this? You know, I'm I'm going down all these credentials and I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm comfortable. And I said, well, here's, here's how I would do it. I would, you do your sort of nicey, nice chit chat. And then you start to, you know, transition into sort of like the official meeting. And I'd say, listen, I could go through all of the credentials that I've garnered over the years and, and tell you everything about me. But you know what? I, 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 those are important. But I think what's more important is why I do what I do. And if you m- want more of my credentials and exactly how I do it, that's something we can have a, a discussion about later on. Absolutely. And then you jump into your story. It's an easy way to segue into your story.
1: And by the way, that's different than how they've been approached by other professionals and people recognize differences, not similarities, right? Out of the gates, you're differentiating yourself by just your approach being different.
0: Further with this, the other drum that I'm beating right now, and maybe you can get on board with me on this one, Joey, is those LinkedIn profiles, particularly in financial services are atrocious. (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, snooze fest. And it's like Stepford Wives, everybody sounds the same.
1: Exactly.
0: Right? Everybody sounds <laughs> yes. the same. What I'm working with my clients on and there's resistance. They're they're scared to do this is scripting out their why stories, we're, we're getting them on video and I'm and I say I want these on your about you section. Your about you section should not be a laundry list of your credentials and the same credentials you put in the experience section. Mm-hmm. The about you section should be your why story. What are your thoughts on that?
1: No, I think absolutely. Just to your point, I mean, everyone else looks the same, feels the same, approaches it the same. So it jars people when they go and they see stuff personal about that. They can connect with you. They can relate to you. And it's a huge differentiator because most people aren't doing that.
0: Let's say you ask a couple of friends, hey, I need a good financial advisor. Who do you recommend? And you ask me and you asked Joey and Joey gave you a name and I gave you a name. And what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to go on LinkedIn right that i mean that's what you're going to do you're going to go to the website you're going to go on linkedin if the one that i gave you is just this laundry list and it sounds like not a human being and the other one actually sounds like a human being and says something you can relate to i promise you that's who they're going to go with absolutely so i want to give kudos to one of my early adopter clients joey his name is Roger Johnson so if you're listening please look him up on linkedin and you spell roger r o d g e r r o d g e r johnson he's with new york life And he has his about story, his why story on the about section of his LinkedIn page. And it's awesome. And after reading that, you'll go, oh my gosh! I totally, I see what this guy cares about me. I felt connected to him. He, he's someone you'd likely want to work with. So I want to give Roger, I'm giving you kudos because you were the early adopter and you weren't afraid and you and you did the thing and it's going to serve you well. So go go check him out as a as a model on on how to do this. So so Joey, as we start to wrap up here, what do you think? Like if people don't close the soft skills gap, what? What's in store for them over the next, let's just say, five to 10 years?
1: Well, I'll go kind of tactically through this from a business development standpoint. You're not getting favorable introductions, what you know is typically called referrals. I call it favorable introductions. So you don't have people to call on because you're not making a connection or other people don't want to introduce you. heaven forbid you go into cold calling. I always say cold calling is God's punishment for failing to prospect. and so <laughs> that's what you end up resorting to. from an engagement standpoint, you're not they're not engaging you enough to where they're going to allow you to ask questions to get into their world, which, means that you know, from a discovery process, you're going to be more transactional versus relational. You're gonna lead with product, not your process if you're not embracing these skills. And then from a quote unquote closing standpoint, people love to buy, but they hate to be sold. And mm. you end up falling into this stereotype of the stereotypical quote unquote close, where I always say that the close is just the next natural step in the process, you know, coming out of the discovery process. If you don't close this gap, if you don't incorporate these skills, you're not going to be getting uh, quality, favorable introductions. You're not going to be able to engage people up front to where they would share information with you. You're going to come across as more transactional, focused on product, and very st- stereotypically really trying to do the hard sell close. So by embracing these soft skills and mastering the language and the techniques of these things, you're gonna do just the opposite of those things. And so that's that's what people have to lose by not closing the gap and, and not really putting a focus on these uh, soft skills.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I know you're doing a lot at HPN to help particularly the financial services industry to help close this soft skill gap. And we have an amazing program called Trustworthy Selling. And I know you, and you have a lot of other content. Where can people like, how can they find out about you? What's the best way to interact with you?
1: Check me out on LinkedIn. Definitely follow me. I'm always uh, dropping nuggets on there. Joey at hoopus.com as my direct email on that. Hoopus.com is our website. So there's a number of great resources on there. There's skill assessments and systems assessments for managers. And since you mentioned Trustworthy, I'd say our Trustworthy website, TrustworthySellingInfo.com, TrustworthySellingInfo.com. There's a great section in there with different tools and resources and things that really any professional could benefit from. But in particular, I'd say financial professionals.
0: I'm going to talk about where people can find me in one second, but do you think you'd play us a little something to close us out? Perhaps a little song, a little...
1: Yeah, I'll play, uh, I'll play a little short one so that we don't uh, take up too much of the podcast time. Okay,
0: that's, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Okay, if you want to learn more about Crazy Good Talks, you can go to crazygoodtalks.com. I too am on LinkedIn a lot with a lot of content, Deirdre Van Nest. And please, if you're enjoying listening to this podcast, you can subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you can subscribe. And I would be blessed and honored if you would uh pass us along to a friend. So Joey Davenport, thank you for, for being here. Thank you for taking the honor of being my first guest on my podcast. Super happy to have you here. And thank you for all this great content. And thank you for all the research you're doing and all the studying you're doing to show just support and validity for for what we kind of know in our heart to be true. But I love that you're actually doing some research so we can talk about it in that way. And yeah, if you wouldn't mind closing us out with a with a couple of notes, I would be thrilled.
1: Perfect. Deirdre, honored that I'm your first guest. Thank you so much for that. I've enjoyed it. Always enjoy hanging out with you and spending time with you. And I'll do a a song, just the last half of a song that I wrote just a couple years ago that's appropriate for today. It's called Everybody Sing to Me.
0: Everybody Sing to Me.
1: Freedom, if you lose it, you'll see them. People got to choose it and best take a stand. Seeing you losing comes to the end. I said, listen to the music because I'm ready to begin. Everybody sing to me there you go
0: <laughs> love it Woo-hoo! thank you
1: joey and check out hot lz on uh youtube we got a, a lot of original music and covers on there so i might as well plug that while i'm at it right
0: absolutely thanks absolutely.
1: a bunch i appreciate you and uh, all the great work you're doing an honor to be your first guest so i uh, really appreciate it
0: Thank you for listening to the Crazy Good Talks podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered in this podcast represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Accelerated Performance, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only.